Okay, good afternoon, good day, good morning, good evening, good middle of the night, whatever you're doing at whatever time you choose to listen to this. Um, I have to thank you for it. Again, it's Too Lazy to Write with your host, the real John Baker, c'est moi. Um, I'm in my basement in uh, Northern Virginia, and I'm going to try something. I want to see if this will... Yeah, we're still recording. Okay, um, so I have a lot I want to talk about today. Um, a tremendous amount. Tremendous amount. But uh, today being April 2nd, uh, 2018, I need to um, acknowledge the Yortzite, uh, for those of you not familiar with the word, the anniversary of a death. Um, I don't know if Jewish scholars or rabbis would even think it appropriate for me to use the word Yortzite for a dog. But uh, today is the uh, anniversary of the passing of my beautiful dog, my, my first dog, Oakley. She was a chocolate lab, and um, I'm probably going to cry. Because <laughs> I I, for those of you who, who know me, um, you know that Oakley was um, something of a perfect dog. Uh, after I got to love her. When I first met her, I hated her. She didn't stop shitting or peeing or crying and uh, made my life miserable. I wanted to return her. Anyway, but um, I didn't, thankfully, and um, she made my life better. And uh, anyway, it was uh, what, eight, eight years ago, I guess, today. Anyway, I'm going to read you something I wrote, and uh, and then I'll maybe talk about it. I don't know. So this is what I wrote about in 2012, when it had just been two years after her passing. Uh, but I, I'm going to write it. It was in a blog that I started called I Never Caught a Foul Ball, and that didn't fucking take off. Ah! It's uh, going about... It went as well as this... As this uh, what are, this podcast is going, but it doesn't matter, because I really... Uh, look, I enjoy doing this, so... So this is called More Nostalgia, this time for an old friend. I think I had written a nostalgic piece prior to that. Anyway, uh, November 1998 was kind of an interesting time in my life. It was actually a life-changing month for me. A few month, months before, September I think it was, my girlfriend, later to be my wife, discussed buying me a dog. I'm still not 100% sure why she wanted to buy a dog for me, but I can only assume it was perhaps to help with the anxiety and panic that I was suffering from, and she hoped that a canine companion would help ease my distress. Anxiety and panic disorder was something I was dealing with, and despite the cognitive therapy and change in diet I was trying, nothing seemed to be working. Well, it turned out that Jen didn't buy a dog for me. Instead, my mother footed the bill. I came across an ad in the newspaper for a breeder selling chocolate labs, the exact dog I wanted. I gave them a call to arrange a time to see these newborn puppies, and I promised myself that I was not going to make a snap decision, and I was not going to buy a dog. How wrong I was. It's very difficult to hold, cuddle, and be slobbered on by ten three-week-old puppies and not want to walk away with all of them. Fortunately, nine of them had already been spoken for, so the tenth was ours. We would just have to pick her up at the end of November. I spent the next few weeks reading books written by the best dog experts of the time, which included a flamboyant man from Vancouver who wore horrible scarves and a group of monks from New Hampshire. I really thought that I knew what I was getting into. 
I still hadn't come up with a name for the new lady in my life. And one night while at the gym, which is in and of itself is pretty funny, I saw a news story featuring a doctor whose first name was, and quite possibly still is, Oakley. What a great name for my dog, I thought. And so it was decided. Oakley would be what we called her. She came home on a coldish November evening and spent the next five to seven nights crying, whining, peeing, destroying, chewing, soiling, barking, tearing, scratching, eating, and being an overall giant pain in the ass. I looked over the contract I had signed and tried to figure out a way to return her. This just was not working out. There was a no return clause. Looks like I was stuck with her. Over time, we developed a friendship. She lay by my side when I was sick. She met us at the airport, wagging ferociously when Jen and I returned home from Israel, engaged to be married. She sprawled her body and contorted it in ways unimaginable to the human eye, taking up virtually every inch of spare bed, spi bed space between my wife and I. And she would put her body in front of our baby's strollers to make sure we stopped and looked both ways before crossing any road. Oakley and I would take long walks in all types of weather. A favorite spot of ours was the local dog park. We'd meet people and we'd become familiar and friendly with them. I couldn't give you a single person's name because knowing them was never important. Knowing their dogs was. On our walks, we'd sometimes get lost and the anxiety and panic which I once felt wasn't there to frighten me. Oakley had done what no therapy, change in diet, re a reduction in caffeine or pharma pharmaceutical was able to do. She had erased my worry. During the course of her brief life, she brought me into a world I had never known. Before her, I had very little interest in pet stores and doggy daycares. I wasn't concerned with the best type of dog food, and I had no idea that, for a dog, chocolate was deadly. Oakley made me more social. She introduced me to a cast of characters that I would never have known. She brought people into my life and made my life better because of that. I'd throw tennis balls in the snow and she would die for them. We'd walk out in the water at Shirley's Bay and she would chase a rubber boat fender. That's actually true. Jen would create snow mazes in our backyard for Oakley to play in. She would slip and slide on darkened neighborhood skating rinks and at the end of it all, she'd lie on her pillow whimpering and snoring with her legs scurrying while she lay dreaming of chasing rabbits, or so we'd like to believe. This four-legged love fest did come with her share of problems. She did seem to get cancer an awful lot. She needed to have her rear cruciate ligament repaired. A skunk unloaded on her one night, and she got into a fight with either an angry cat or our raspberry bushes. I also can't forget to mention the time she ate poppy seeds, and I called poison control, asking them if my dog just had ingested opium. These are just a few of the comical mishaps in the life of Oakley. Then, of course, her brief time with me and my family came to an end. It seemed to happen almost overnight. Her back legs just stopped working. Our vet, my uncle, gave us some medicine, but he really didn't think it would work. We made our way to his clinic on Good Friday, 2010. On the way, we stopped at a bakery. Jen and I got a cup of coffee, and we bought a chocolate chip cookie for Oakley. We knew that the chocolate couldn't harm her anymore. Oh, boy. <laughs> As we were sitting there, with the hatch of our van opened and Oakley resting on the floor, a man walked by and said to us, you have a beautiful dog there. Oh, for Christ's sake. I have read this a thousand times. <laughs> I shouldn't cry at something I read, for God's sakes. I read the fucking thing. I wrote it. 
When you bring your 12 and a half year old arthritic dog to the vet for the 4.30 appointment, odds are pretty good you're only going home with a leash, a collar, and memories. And that's what we did on that warm Friday afternoon. I still think about her every day. I still miss her. I have crazy dreams about her. I still do. And I remember the fun we had for 12 and a half years. I don't really know how to end this properly, so I'll just end it by saying, fuck, I can't. By saying goodnight to my beautiful Oakley. Oh, for Christ's sake. This is embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. Ended by saying goodnight to my beautiful Oakley. Your impact on my life will never be forgotten. And that is Oakley in a nutshell. She was just the gosh darn greatest dog. And I know everybody has the greatest dog. I would agree. Your dog is the greatest. It's the greatest dog for you. Oakley, at the time... Uh, was the greatest dog for me. And I I really needed her in my life. And I I met, like I said in that piece, I had met a ton of people who I would have never met. There was this one guy at the dog park. And like only after going there for, God, I don't know, a year or two, did I even find out he was a doctor. Um, But what was funny was he, every time he'd see a dog that like wasn't a purebred, he'd always like say to the person who had the dog, he'd be like, oh, what is that, a... uh, uh, you know, Pitbull Lab. Like he just, he would think he knew the, the, uh, the mix that the dog was. And they were like, oh, I don't know. I got it at the, the Humane Society. Oh, what does that look like? A Chihuahua Husky mix? Sure. Sure, buddy. It's a Chihuahua Husky mix. Another time. So the dog park we went to at our, near our house, uh, was called Bruce Pitts. And, uh, one time they had like a coyote loose. So they had this idea, the, the uh, people from, from, I don't know, like the parks or whatever department, they were going to put out these humane traps and they were going to put little pieces of meat in them and leave them out. And, you know, the coyotes would go into the traps. Well, what they didn't figure was that every dog that was the size of a coyote was also going to go into those traps. So, like, they laid these stupid things out. And all of these dogs would uh, would get caught in these traps. These little like Shih Tzus and Schnauzers, and you know, I don't know how big the traps were. It was big enough for a coyote, but Oakley never went in. But Oakley was a hoot, and yeah, she did have her her uh, cruciate ligament re- repaired, and she did have a bunch of cancer that always got taken out by my uncle, who was who was a great vet, and. Uh, and, uh, he, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine who actually went to my uncle as well. She, when she lived in that area, she, she would go to him. She knew him. And, uh, when she knew that I was putting Oakley down, she said something to me like, he, you'll never meet a more compassionate vet for like that stage of the dog or animal's life. And, uh, it's true. He, he was just so wonderful with how he, um, he, he dealt with, like, knowing the shit that was about to happen. You know, you walk out of the vet, and, like, I was, this was eight years ago. I just turned, uh, I was almost 40, you know, and you walk out of the vet crying like, you know, like like a child, like, because this is, this dog was your best friend for eight, well, 12 years, like I said, and uh, and then we actually let the woman know the breeder where we got her, and I know, oh, you should get a bred breed dog from a breeder, go to the safe or save it from the shelter. Yeah, okay, okay, that's fine, if that's what you want, and at the time, I wanted a chocolate lab, so, 
You can criticize me for wanting to go to a breeder. Go at it. You could say her cruciate ligament was a part of because of all the inbreeding that happens within purebred dogs. That's fine. She was a great dog. So I don't know what I was... Oh, I called the woman and said, look, you know, I just want to let you know that Oakley, we had to put her down. And she was like, yeah, I've been hearing from some owners of that litter that, you know, it's sort of happening. And then uh, she was like, but, you know, we have a new litter ha- coming out. I was like, really? You're trying to sell me a dog right now? I just put my dog down. <laughs> but, hey, let's push for a new one. And it was funny because there was another dog that we used to see at the park sometimes. Her name was Jazz, which in the late 90s was a very popular name for dogs. That, Montana, Dakota, these were like, ugh, you'd go to a dog park. It would be like yelling the name, uh, you know, Jaden out at a school at a playground now or Olivia fucking 17 kids are going to turn around well you go to a dog park back in 1999 and you yell out Dakota every fucking golden retrievers (laughs) no not that Dakota that Dakota anyway but I met Jazz and uh, uh, I saw Jazz like about a year or two after Oakley passed away and Oakley they were in the same litter like they were they were sisters. So it was nice to see her because it was, it reminded me of Oakley. She was awesome. If you knew her, you knew how awesome she was. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that, that's the first 13 minutes of this podcast is about my dog. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate that. I'm going to try to lighten it up a little bit. So we just got back. Um, we spent a week in Ottawa at my parents' house, uh, it was a kid's spring break. It wasn't exactly a wild uh, Mexican Riviera vacation or uh, wherever in Florida people go. I don't know. But it was fun. Uh, we saw my brother. We saw my cousins or my nephew, uh, my nephew and nieces. Uh, we did see cousins. We had two satyrs and... Um, my parents, who are both in their 70s, uh, refuse to believe that either of them need a hearing aid. But if you were to call them um, at any given time, let's say 7.45 on a Tuesday night, you will be able to answer the Jeopardy questions from your phone because their TV's so fucking loud. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the house is extremely hot because it just needs to be for some reason. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. And watching Jeopardy um, with my with my family reminded me of when I was younger. And, and, and we would watch it every night, 7.30. You know, uh, dinner was done and maybe homework was going to be either started after Jeopardy or hopefully done, or in my case postponed until, you know, five minutes before class the next day, because truth be told, kids, oh, I stayed in school, but I was the, I was a terrible student, which might explain to, which might um, be an explanation as to why I'm sitting in the basement of my house on a Monday uh, afternoon at 1230 without a job, talking into a microphone um, in a podcast that seven people are listening to. Hey, one of them is my cousin Lauren, who told me she listens to, uh, I feel like I'm doing some shitty radio show. Hey, shout out to Lauren, uh, living out there in Markham, Ontario. I want to thank you for uh, fighting the good fight and going to work and 
doing what you do. You've always been one of my favorite cousins. I, I think you knew that. And uh, you know what? This one, uh, this this tracks for you. I don't have a track to play for her. But Lauren and I, before I get back to Jeopardy, Lauren and I did discover, I think a few years ago, that we both had an, an affection for reading the missed connections in Craigslist. Uh, I always wanted to be a Craigslist misconnection. So if you're in the Ottawa area or the D.C. area, Craigslist is there. I will put up a mis. I always love the misconnection, especially in Ottawa. A lot of misconnections on the bus and at uh, the grocery store at Bank Street in Somerset. Holy fuck, people were missing connections. And a lot of um, misconnections in the men's locker room of the downtown YMCA in Ottawa. Um those ones, you would see the word uncut a lot. <laughs> Handsome uncut. That means not circumcised. Um, so they weren't looking for me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> anyway, um, but Jeopardy. That was my rewind sound. So we'd sit down, crank the volume up to, you know, 37 on the TV because it needed to be that loud. And uh, no matter... This, this is pretty much, you know, how a lot of the introductions back back then go. They've now streamlined it, but it would be, you know, now uh, Johnny Gilbert, the announcer. I was so excited. Uh, sorry, Jen and I went and saw, we were in New York, and there was a uh, celebrity Jeopardy happening at Radio City Music Hall. We just lucked out and happened upon it, and I was sitting like 10 feet away from Johnny Gilbert, and that was really cool because, you know, he's a legend. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, it would come, you know, they now entering the studio or today's three, con I, this was probably common actually in all, in many Jewish households, much like the alarm code is some derivative of the numbers 18 and 36. Okay. Um, yeah, it would always be, you know, now entering the studio or today's three contestants, you know, a nun uh, originally from you know, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, who now lives in Calcutta, please welcome Charlotte Stanley. And then the second person would come in and it would be, you know, like a, uh, I don't know, a philanthropist, you know, living in a tent in Oregon who has decided that if he wins any money today, he will donate it to, you know, the chair, doctors without borders. <laughs> please welcome to the studio, Clint Barnes. And then they'd bring in, you know, and our returning champ, a tax accountant from Buffalo, New York, Joshua Rabinowitz. And then my dad would be like, yo, that's the guy. That's the guy I want to win right there. Rabinowitz. I'm watching him. I'm watching Rabinowitz. It was like he had a vested interest in uh, the Jewish guy on Jeopardy, which I think might be pretty common. I don't know. Maybe it's not common. Maybe because, you know, like we, my father would call me up and he'd be like, yeah, there's a... The Law and Order tonight. It's about uh, it's about diamond dealers in uh, in New York. You gonna watch it? Uh, probably. I don't know. If I'm not in bed, I'll watch it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's about diamond dealers in New York. So there'll be a an Orthodox Jewish angle to it. So I should watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could just uh, mumble around my parents' house. You could say like rhubarb, 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 Jewish, 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 rhubarb. What was that? What, what, something about Jewish? Yeah, I said nothing whatsoever. But um, anyway, so, so that was, uh, 
not as good as I thought it would be. But it's still true. It does, you know, it's still the truth about my parents' house is the Jeopardy. And we still watch it. And I like to think that one day I'm going to get the uh, the tap from from the online test I did. And they're going to let me come on the show. And then, oh, then I am so ready. I'm so ready for um, the banter between myself and Alex Trebek. I've thought about this for a long time, and it's going to go something like this. It's going to be like, so, John, uh, Jonathan, says here you're from Ottawa originally, and uh, now you're living in Virginia, and you were worried about the banter section of Jeopardy. And then I would say, yeah, that's right, Alex. Um, I don't really know what we would talk about, so I'm just hoping that by talking right now, we're filling it up the precise amount of time needed for the banter. And once I'm done speaking, you'll say something to me, thank me, wish me luck, and then move on to the next person. And that's right, Jonathan. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was an interesting uh, anecdote. Thanks, Alex. And then he'd move on. I don't know if you could hear yelling behind me. My son's playing Fortnite, which apparently every kid in the world is playing at this exact moment. Um, so that was uh, Jeopardy. The other thing I noticed, and I noticed this a few years ago, we started driving to Florida when we moved to Virginia. We figured it's only a 16-hour drive, which, by the way, only a 16-hour drive means it's, you know, 27 hours with two kids. And uh, um, we drove there. We drove to Florida twice. Uh, actually, we drew, we've done it three times. And each time we drove, we've driven back to Ottawa three times. Um the first thing people seem to give a shit about is not how you are, not how your life in another city is, not how your job is, not how your kids are, none of that. You meet, so, oh, you just got, you drove in from Virginia? Yeah, we did. Which way'd you come? Sorry, what's up? Which route did you take? I don't know. I fucking, I took the toll road to the highway to the highway and went through Pennsylvania and New York State and crossed in Ogdensburg. You crossed in Ogdensburg? Yeah, <clears throat> crossed in Ogdensburg. Why'd you cross in Ogdensburg? Why wouldn't you cross at, uh, at the Thousand Islands? I, I don't know. The GPS just it told me. Well, you know, there's another way you could go. If you're, uh, if you're driving through Pennsylvania, when you get to Harrisburg, if you want to save, you know, two to three minutes, you get off the highway, you get off the, the, uh, the eight-lane highway, and you go to a two-lane rural highway that may or may not have been paved uh, this decade. And uh, there's a lot of Amish who use that road. Uh, so you'll see a lot of uh, horse shit and, uh, and other, uh, you know, you'll see, you'll see people going up the side of the, or the shoulder in their, in their Amish buggies. And, uh, and uh, you know, you take a two-lane highway, you take the 280, and that'll connect you to the uh, to the 417. Oh no, the 417 is an actual highway, not a. That'll take you to the uh, to the 212, and then uh, you'll circle back on that for uh, you know 16 minutes, and then you just you'll hit three traffic lights, and then you get right back on the 90 or the 81. Really? Like why? I'm I am amazed. Like there are things in life that I could not care about, and routes to get places are. Like, like long distance travel. I could not care. And when people start to tell me about the routes they take to get places, like, ugh, I don't care. You know, just 
we went through this city. We went through this city. We had barbecue in this city. You know, uh, there's a titty bar in this city. Like, uh, I, I just, I do not care about the routes you took. But what was funny, people love to fucking tell you the routes they take. Uh, and what was wrong with the route you took, you know? Um, we also, when we were driving through Pennsylvania, uh, right in the heart of coal country, um, right in the heart of coal country, we saw, this is going to shock a lot of people, we saw windmills being used. We saw wind energy being put to use in the heart of coal country, right there in Pennsylvania. And uh, I was trying to explain to the kids how fucking this idiot president wants his coal. Beautiful coal! Beautiful coal. I don't think big, beautiful... No one's ever described coal as beautiful. Um, but, uh, you know, that would be... That would be like in, I don't know, like 1987, 88, maybe before that when home computers first sort of started entering the, the well, homes, home computers, I said it right there. When computers started coming into the house, all of a sudden, if people were like, home computers, fuck that. I am putting all my money into typewriter ribbons. That right there is the future, the typewriter ribbon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone's buying computers. They're getting cheaper. They're getting more powerful. Super duper. But typewriters are never, ever going to go out of style. People are going to be needing a typewriter forever. And what happened? Go, go find me a typewriter. It's a relic. It's a relic, man. I'd say there could be a comparison to record shops, but now records are back on the rise, and for good reason. For a good reason. Now you buy a record, and they give you a free digital download. So that's good, too. I haven't had nearly enough coffee. I've only had two cups. Um, so, yeah, the other thing, we're driving by uh, on in, uh, in New York in, like, the Ogdensburg area right before we got to Watertown, and we drove by some farms, and clearly Amish, because they had about, uh, I don't know, six buggies in the... <laughs> in the uh in the f front yard and uh, i was like <laughs> i was wondering like are those like newer models like how, how can you tell like is one a you know is one a 2012 and they're like well we got to up upgrade to a 2014 now at least you know we're in 2018 maybe we should look at a 2016 buggy what what are the options what separates the 2016 buggy from the 2018 buggy that's one to grow on. Kind of reminds me of the time I went to go see live Maple Leaf Wrestling at the Ottawa Civic Center. And in the first match, a man named, like, you know, the masked villain, we'll call him, one. The masked villain one was, was fighting, you know, let's say, uh, the Brooklyn Brawler. And then in the second fight, masked villain two was fighting Leapin' Lanny Boffo. And the guy in front of me turned to me and he said, how do we know that Masked Villain 2 isn't fighting in the first fight and Masked Villain 1 isn't in the second fight? Blew my fucking mind. I mean, that guy knew what was going on. I don't know how I went from the Amish to Leapin' Lanny Boffo in one thought process, but that's just, uh, that's just where I'm going. That is just where I'm going today. Uh, the other thing, uh, we're in town, and 
uh, we were there for the two Passover seders. Seder means order. And the one thing uh, very familiar to everybody, many people I know who uh, do the Seder, we all have the same Haggadah. It's the Haggadah for Passover. It's yellow. It's got red and black trim on the um, around the wording in, on the cover. It's probably got wine stains in it. It probably has names written in the margin for who's going to read when and who's going to read what. And it has names crossed out. And and you might find this one hard to believe, but the center pages have probably fallen out. But um, And I, I hope what I'm saying t- today is not blasphemous. Uh, but when reading the Haggadah, uh, and if you just look at it uh, from a literature standpoint, as a story, the story of Passover... I would argue that there's really no story being told. It's just a series of paragraphs that seem not to connect ever with a prayer thrown in, instructions for when to eat and what to eat, which by the way, nobody in my family seems to understand when we're supposed to eat the bitter herb with the haroset and when we're supposed to eat the bitter herb and the haroset as a sandwich. And what's the bitter herb with haroset? I had it parsley with dipped in haroset, but then other people just put it on. They had basically an open face sandwich. And of course, in an era where everybody is so conscious of germs and whatnot, the first thing we do, or one of the first things we do in the Seder offering is we take a, 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 a dish rag And we pass it from person to person to person to person to person to person to person. person. And this is called washing the hands. This is not washing the hands. This is just spreading germs around the table. The only person who's washing their hands is the first person. Everybody else is getting everybody else's germs. But then you start reading the the actual like text of the story. Someone tells me a story. You're going to read a story about a man who who bought a house and raised a family and got married and he and his wife fought and loved and had children and 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 entertained. There'll be a narrative that'll go through this whole thing unless of course you're reading American Pastoral by Philip Roth which somehow won the fucking Pulitzer Prize Pulitzer Prize. I read that thing. Oh my god, what a colossal waste of my fucking time. Big garbage book. I did not like it at all. And if you liked it, then I'm glad you did. But oh my God, what a waste of time. And the only reason I read it was because I wanted to see the movie that Ewan McGregor had directed. And then the movie got shit reviews and the book was, in my estimation, garbage. I really liked Portnoy's Complaint and the great American novel. I think Probably the only two Philip. Roth. I have I have the plot against America upstairs, but everybody bought that after Trump was elected because we all figured they were going to hell in the handbasket, which we are. Because um, he wished everybody a happy Easter yesterday, and then started to go on about DACA and the Dems. DACA and the Dems sounds like a band. DACA and the Dems, uh, but yeah, the Haggadah. Uh, you just you read it and. It, it just, it, it just, there's no story to it, you know, and then you eat and then you just, you do your, your, your benching, you do your, your, your grace, I guess, after the meal. And then you end the, 
the service. And as I'm reading it, the first part, I'm thinking like, why don't they just throw like a Sudoku and a jumble in here to make it even more like crazy? Because there's no actual flow to it. I think I'm going to write for next year's Passover. I'm going to write like the story. Like the movie, The Ten Commandments. I want to read that story. They go to Egypt. The firstborns are drowned. Or the male, males are killed. Charlton, or not Charlton, as in Yul Brynner comes out. Edward G. Robinson. I think Edward G. Robinson's in it. Billy Crystal used to have a bit about Edward G. Robinson being in the, uh, in the uh, Ten Commandments. Because he was like in a gangster movies and such. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who Edward G. Robinson is. There's there's certain things I, I don't um, subscribe to caring about. As we know, one of them is um, the driving route people took. And the biggest sin you can make, by the way, when you're going to visit my parents in Florida is taking the 95 anywhere. Like, anywhere. Even though it might be the, the most direct route between where you are and where you're going. No. No. Why would you... T- how'd you get here? I took the 95. Why would you take the 95 at this hour? I don't know. I don't know. I was staying a block away from the on-ramp. I was getting to a place that's two blocks away from the off-ramp. I, I just didn't see the sense in, you know, going somewhere. Well, why? You know, what you could have done was you could have taken Spanish River to uh, to Carson's Grove to, uh, to you know, uh, Rose Flower Lane I don't care. I just don't care. Oh my God. That and historical sites. I think I've mentioned that before. You put me on a bus to Gettysburg and I am staying on that bus. There's nothing I am more uninterested in than historical battlefields or the people who recreate historical battles. Oh boy, I am just railing on everything today. And I don't even have a guest for my next podcast. The last one, it was Paul, my dear friend, Paul Harris. Um, there was some stuff that I didn't get to talk to Paul about. And I totally forget. Paul did mention to me at one point, um, he sent me a Facebook comment. This is a while back. I was, I was slowly um, befriending the Marco Schemer boys. And, and Paul replied, he just sent me a note that said, you're, you're picking off the Marco Schemers one at a time. And I thought that was funny. And I'm hoping, I really do hope that I get to uh, the United Kingdom this summer to go see my friend, Paul. Um, turns out my son wants, might want to go to summer camp for the second month of, uh, of the summer, which means that maybe my wife and I can go to Europe and I could try to have sex in another continent and get refused. <laughs> da-da, 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 da-da. Oh, she's probably mad at me for that. I'm not erasing it, though. I am not erasing it. Um, and I get, I get the feeling that the narrative of this, um, of this podcast is much is in, is in uh, line with the narrative of the Haggadah. There's no fucking story here, because I'm going to now tell you again about something I care little about, which is um, the NCAA and the Final Four and being in Virginia, America. Every sports bar that you've gone to, or every restaurant, or every place, the kids got a note from school about how to get involved in the NCAA madness, the March Madness. Um, 
we were out a week or so ago uh, getting some chicken wings at a sports bar, and this blowhard was yelling at the screen about something. I don't know what. Um, and then people are like, who you got in the final four? I don't know. I got nobody. I got uh, Belle Biv DeVoe going up against Tony, Tony, Tony. Am I right? Is that a thing? What are you talking about? I'm talking about I don't give a shit. I just don't give a shit. Maybe my friend Randy will want to do this podcast. He said he would consider it. Oh, maybe he'll do it. I hope so. Um, I'm going to have to go get the dog soon. The dog has spent um, a couple days at a woman's house. We, we, we rent the dog out while we're away. This is the second dog I have. I'm not tooling around the ashes of Oakley, which, by the way, are sitting on my piano upstairs. And a couple years ago when I had a job, when I was in Ottawa, it was like, bring your pet to work day. And I said to my boss, can I bring my ashes of my dog? And she was like, that's disgusting. But it wasn't like I was going to bring in actual ashes. They're in a box. So, got to go get the dog. She has been um, dutifully looked after by Emily. Um, and speaking of Emily's, I saw my cousin Emily and her husband Ben and their very cute baby Noah who's like uh, six weeks old, and he cries like a six-week-old, which I don't miss. I do not miss the crying of a baby. Babies are cute, but they cry. Um, I think that could be it. I don't know. I've been talking ad nauseum for about 40 minutes almost, and, um, you know, you can reach... uh, I'll get into that in a second. Um, The... uh, the other thing is, that was dead air, and nobody, 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 nobody likes dead air. Everybody in radio will say to you, oh, you can't have dead air. I like dead air. It's kind of fun. Um, I did actually hang out with two of my old friends from my radio days. We had coffee at Tim Hortons when we were up there in Canada. Had a double-double. I don't actually have the double-double. I just have it with milk. But it was fun to talk to Clancy and Barry. Um, we reminisced, and we laughed, and we cried. Um, but, uh, but I forgot how, how much fun we did have working together at the radio station. Barry did this great, um, this great joke. (laughs) I had totally forgot there, there used to be these news groups. Um, it was like alt binaries, something, something, post yourself naked, post yourself nude. And we would go on it. And we would try to find the oddest looking nude person. This is like the days before, well, the days before, I guess, there was naked people everywhere. Naked strangers <laughs> everywhere on the net. Now it was very niche. Um, so one day he, 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 he found this uh, picture of a guy who looked a lot like me. Um, well, from the waist up at least. <laughs> What movie is that quote kind of from? Uh, Anyway, there was this guy who had just started working at the radio station by the name of Jeff. And I didn't know Jeff. And and Barry, the producer, would record on-air talent to do commercials and station IDs and station promos and whatnot. And so Jeff was an on-air guy. And he record Barry would record him. Uh, So, and my office was right across the hall from Barry's production studio. And I could kind of look into Barry's studio and he could see me and I see Hopper, Jeff Hopper, go in there one day and he's 
talking to him. And apparently what Barry is doing while he's talking to him is he's saying, Jeff had been like working there two weeks. Barry is saying, yeah, you know, I don't really know how to deal with this. Like, I don't know if I should go to management on this one. Like I should, if I should go like to our boss or should I go to like, you know, the station manager or the, like the, the program director or the general manager. Cause like, John sent me this photo and like, I don't really know what to deal with it. And Jeff was like, well, what, you know, what's the photo? Like, what is it? So he pulls up this photo and it's this naked dude, uh, like fully naked. And he's just in his living room or something with his big hog hanging down. <laughs> and, and I see like, you know, it's funny, like, as I think about it, like, I looked over my shoulder and Hopper, I remember him looking at me and like looking at Barry and looking at me and looking at Barry. And then he's like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, man, I don't know, John, like, this is weird. Like, maybe you should talk to Rob. Rob was our boss. Like, maybe you should talk to Rob. And <laughs> I guess he eventually told him that it was a joke, but, but a lot of like, there was a, an admin who wanted to see it because she thought it looked, because she had heard that there was this guy who looked like me naked and anyway. Um, but from that day on, Jeff Hopper always looked at me differently. He always thought I had sent that photo. It was not me. The guy was cut, not uncut as in the misconnections at the Y thing, but he was anyway. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, we talked about that because that I think was one of my favorite things that ever happened, uh, at the radio station. Aside from, I think, uh, those in the know would probably remember the time I told a sales rep to suck my dick. That was, that was another one for the ages. And I walked right into the sales manager's office right after that. And I was like, look, you're probably going to get a phone call. I don't know. In about a minute or two from one of your sales reps, and he's going to be pretty mad because I just told him to suck my dick. <laughs> and sure enough, while I was in there, oh, just hold on, the phone's ringing, <laughs> picks up the phone. I know, I know, Glenn. He's he's here right now. He's telling me, no, I know. He feels bad about it. No, he shouldn't. I'm not going to fire. He shouldn't have said it. No. Well, well. Anyway, then I just told some bullshit story about how my girlfriend and I were fighting about the wedding that was coming up. It was a fucking lie. We weren't fighting. I think we were married at that point. So that's that. And uh, and that's all. And got my tickets to go see Joe Jackson in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, coming up in July. Uh, for those of you not in the know, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of the artist from Portsmouth. Uh, England, Joe Jackson, and this will probably be about the 14th or 15th time I've seen him, which I'm part of some group on Facebook, which like pales in comparison to the amount of times other people have seen him. Uh, but I did have the amazing honor, I've talked about this in a previous podcast, about how I did get to spend pretty much the entire day with him. So you could have all your concerts that you saw and uh, all of that good stuff, I managed to spend an entire day with the guy in music that I admire the most. And uh, that was great. So Jen and I are going to go see him in Harrisburg, PA, in July. And, uh, and then the next night, I'm hoping we can get back in time. It's not that far. I'm hoping we don't have anything else that weekend. Because 
the Avett brothers and Nicole Atkins are playing down the road from us at Wolf Trap, which is this music venue. I think I've talked about it. It's more than a music venue. I shouldn't call it that. It's a national park, and in the park there's an amphitheater. And every summer they bring in these uh, these great acts. So last summer, actually, we saw Joe there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mavis Staples opened for him then, luckily. And I say luckily because I when I go see him, I just want to see him. I don't need an opening act taking up uh, any of the time. I just want 100% Joe. But we're going to see it at Wolf Trap, which luckily and thankfully has not been renamed, you know, you know, the, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? Fuck, I can't even think of it. The McDonald's uh, Amphitheater at Wolf, Track National, Wolf Trap National Park. Because I was saying to the kids the other day, there's a place, I think it's in Louisville or somewhere. It's like the KFC Yum Center. And uh, it's like, we've, we've seen this now, it's been going on for years and years, how, you know, a corporation will buy naming rights to the arena. First of all, all the hockey arenas uh, that, or all the arenas around uh, the country, around North America, they're pretty much all the same cookie cutter arenas. There used to be, you know, character to them when they were the Boston Gardens and the Maple Leaf, and Maple Leaf Gardens and the Forum, and even in Ottawa, the crappy Civic Center and the Joe Louis Arena in, in, Philly, in Detroit, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, and all of these other arenas that didn't, they didn't have naming or like names to them back then. They were just the forum, you know, the forum, the gardens, Maple or Madison Square Gardens is still Madison Square Gardens. Um, could be wrong about some of these things, but I always thought that if I was in the position to, you know, name a building, uh, I would want to keep the existing name of the building, you know, so call it like, you know. Maple Leaf Gardens, or, or you know, or the Montreal Forum in the Gillette building, or something, because there there was a wonderful history with with names, and now you're playing at the fucking KFC Yum Center. Like it's great to be here at the KFC Yum Center. I'm waiting for you know the the Preparation H Arena inside the Tux medicated pad. Pavilion. Uh, what else would be? Well, I'm, I'm sure there's probably like the Legal Zoom Arena. Uh, I know Fleet Bank has naming rights, but I'd like Fleet Enema to to get naming rights to an arena. That would be good. The Fleet Enema Arena. The tux, I like the Tux medicated pa- pad one. The you know or. When are we going to start to see Depends sponsoring older acts? Like when we were in Ottawa, Rod Stewart was there. And, well, sorry. I remember when the police went back on tour in the early 2000s, Best Buy sponsored that tour. So like behind every shot, it was like Best Buy presents the police. I want to see Depends start to present the older acts. Depends presents Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Depends presents Rod Stewart. Could you imagine going to see Rod Stewart and he doesn't play Maggie May? Someone told me that. Oh, he's not going to play Maggie May on this tour. Who the, why? You're going to play new stuff, Rod Stewart? Play the new stuff, Rod Stewart. I went and saw Howard Jones a number of years ago at a small club. Howard, if you're listening, he's not fucking listening. <laughs> I'm surprised anybody's listening. 
uh, Howard Jones started, you know, he played some older stuff. And then he's like, what I'm going to do now is a song about if humanity was ending and aliens were coming from another world and they saw this mess that we had turned our planet into. And then somebody at the back was just like, play what is love? (laughs) And he was getting so mad because nobody there was at all wanting to hear any of his recent stuff. Like it was like, we wanted to hear from like 88 and backwards. Um, and he's yelling at the, he was yelling at the crowd. He's like, if you don't fucking like it, you can go and ask for a refund. Cause I'm going to play what I want to play and blah, 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 blah. And he'd go on this tirade and then <laughs> some asshole <laughs> would be like, play new song. <laughs> And then he'd play some shit song about, you know, aliens coming to Earth. This one's called Exodus. Oh, really, Howard? Nobody wants to hear that. But gosh darn it, it made me laugh. And then I was telling that story to somebody, a group of people one night, and there was a woman at the at, who was at our table, and she had been at that concert. She was like, I know, it was so terrible what people were doing to him. He just wanted to play his new stuff. I'm like, nobody wants to hear his new stuff. Nobody. If you're going to go see Nick Kershaw next week... I don't even know if he's playing. But if he is playing, that would be like the concert equivalent of finding out that Rick Aguilera is still pitching, which he may be. I don't know. Um, or that guy, but he's dead, I think, actually. So, so never mind. He was Jesse Orozco. I think he might be dead. But if you were to find out, oh, Jesse Orozco's still pitching? Wow. And... Uh, Alphaville still touring? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. You know what? I don't even remember the last thing I just talked about that got me to Jesse Orozco. So um going to end it at that. How about that? Thank you again. Wow, this, this baby's been going on for almost 50 minutes. And then after I'm done, I'm going to put the song in at the beginning. I'll put the song in at the end. So, wow, we are looking at... Uh, we're looking at almost an hour of me rambling on. Lore, I hope you made it to work okay on time. Told me it took you about an hour to get to work. Uh, if you have any ideas of shit you'd like to hear me talk about, go on to my website, toolazytowrite.com. That's the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word write, the dot, and then the word com. Not C-A-L-M, but C-O-M. You could also find this podcast in iTunes and Google Play. And uh, on the website, there's a form you can fill out and you can tell me how much you hate my show and or my podcast, whatever it's called. Um, also, I can be found on Twitter, Twitter, on Twitter, Twitter at the real John Baker, and uh, send me a message. I thank you for listening. I really do. I appreciate it. Um, it means a lot to me. It, it means a lot to me when I when I talk to family. And uh, the odd friend, because I don't really have many, who tell me that they like the podcast. Um, So thanks a lot. I'm going to try to get some great interviews lined up. I have some ideas. We'll see what happens. Maybe after I'm done editing this, I'm going to send up uh, some emails to some people. So thanks a lot. Take care. Have a great week. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Bye now. Everyone is welcome